Welcome everybody, those of, the, of you who have been with us uh, within Yvamos or maybe even in Chagiga, and also those of you who are joining us for the first time as we begin a new Mesechta, a new tractate of Ksubis. Uh, so let's begin with a quick introduction. So number one is that Ksubis is the second tractate found in the general Seder, in the general uh, order of uh, marriage-related uh, mesechtos, tractates, that deal with marriage. Uh, this is the second one. The first one, which is the one that was just completed by the Daf HaShavua program, is Yevamos. And there is a question, why is the one that we're doing now second, and why was Yevamos first? We should really do it in the opposite order. Yevamos, without getting into specific details, discusses a scenario where uh, a couple is married and then the husband passes away. What happens after the husband passes away? without any children. That's already after the marriage. Uh, Ksubis, the topic that we're discussing now, is really about the marriage itself. So doesn't it make sense to first discuss the marriage and then to discuss uh, what happens in a scenario where that marriage ends, tragically ends, where the husband passes away without any children. Uh, so it makes sense to do it in the opposite direction. So many uh, deal with this question. I will just suggest one answer. One answer is given by the Rambam, by Maimonides. And the Rambam says... That the, the reason why Yevamos is first is because Yevamos is not something which is uh, voluntary or uh, a relationship which is chosen uh, by uh, the people uh, themselves. Rather, it's chosen by God. The Torah tells us that in this such a scenario, the sister-in-law and the brother-in-law ideally should be doing, let's say ideally should be doing Yibam. They should get married. There's also an automatic connection that is created. The concept called Zika. It's something which is automatic. There's an automatic relationship that is God is sent. And so therefore, that's why it is first. Now we enter into a totally different type of relationship here. This is a relationship which is completely voluntary. This is voluntary and this is created. This relationship was initiated by the two people at hand. Uh, they have to decide to do this. They have to volunteer to do this. And so therefore, it is a very different type of relationship. And so we first mentioned, says the Rambam, the type of relationship which is automatic, which was created uh, by the Torah, by God himself. And now the next tractate discusses a relationship which was initiated by the two people who are involved in this relationship, this type of a marriage. Okay, that's why. that's one reason why it is mentioned why it's the second tractate. Now, a, a few terms and uh, introduction to this particular tractate, to this Mesechta. Uh, Mesechta is a tractate. Uh, there are two steps to discuss marriage. Uh, first, there are two steps to a marriage. Uh, sometimes I'll refer to the first step as a halachic engagement, but it's really two steps to the marriage itself. Uh, one step is called in Hebrew, erisin or kiddushin. Uh, the second step is called, is referred to as Nisuin. Now this first step uh, is not just an engagement, it has halachic significance. It, many, many of the laws of marriage already begin at this stage, at least on a biblical level, they begin at this stage, at this first stage. What does this first stage consist of? So the uh, Mishnah tells us that uh, the first stage, how does one complete this first stage? What is the process for this first stage? Is one of three ways. One way is uh, for the husband, uh, for the groom to give to the bride uh, money, or what we do today is to give a ring, the value of money. Another way is to give a contract, to, to give her a marriage contract. And then the third way 
is through bia, is through sexual relations. Those are the three ways. Uh, the ra- that's on a biblical level. The rabbis said that for this first stage, it's inappropriate to initiate this first stage through sexual relations. And so therefore, you shouldn't do that. You should just do one of the first two. And that's why the custom today is really just to do the first one through the giving of a ring. The giving of the ring is that first stage. This first stage, as I pointed out before, almost all uh, the rules of marriage apply. And we're going to be discussing many, many rules of marriage as we go through this entire tractate. So we don't have time to get into it in this particular recording. Uh, but we'll discuss it in the future. Uh, and that is the first stage. However, during this first stage, the big difference between the first stage and the second stage, uh, the big difference, there are other differences as well, but the big difference is that they are not living together. They are not living in the same home. They are not having sexual relations. Now, uh, they could have had an initial sexu- act of sexual relations uh, to, st- to begin the process of to, 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 to have that first step of engagement, but once a uh, uh, first step of marriage, but once you have that, so then you, she's living in her home, in her family's home, he's living in his family's home. They are not living together. They're not living under the same roof. They are not having, engaging in sexual relations during that, during that first stage. Once you enter into the second stage, so now they are living together. They're living in the same home, which is why I sort of sometimes refer to the first stage as a halachic engagement because they're not living under the same roof. Um, the second stage is now that they're fully married and they're living, they're living together. During that first stage, uh, it's important to note, even though they're not allowed to be with each other, it's also viewed as adultery for, let's say, her to commit to have sexual relations with somebody else. She is not allowed to have sexual relations with somebody else. Um, that would be viewed as adultery. Now, it's important to keep in mind that on a biblical level, the husband is allowed to have multiple wives. So it would not be viewed uh, as adultery because he's allowed to marry multiple women. Um, but on the flip side, it would be viewed as as adultery uh, on, a, on, a, on a halachic level, on a biblical level, uh, for her even during this first stage where they are, when they are not uh, living under the same roof, when they are not living uh, together. How, what, what happens in the second stage? How does one have, be, have become fully married? That is not clear at all. It's not clear at all. There's, there's different uh, potential options. Uh, one is that they are completely secluded. There are witnesses that say that, that witness them being in a room together. And this also this signifies the fact that they are now living together. They're allowed to be alone in a room together. Uh, the canopy itself that we see at weddings, the chuppah, is another, is another suggestion that they are, the canopy sort of represents and symbolizes them being in one home. They're under the same roof, being in one home. Uh, and that's, that's another suggestion. Uh, another suggestion that's given is the badekin, something that's referred to the badekin, uh, which happens before the chuppah where, uh, they sort of, uh, the husband, the, the, the groom, uh, puts the, the veil over, over his wife, um, over the bride. And it's also a form of showing how they are they're alone together, that they're, they're, they're with each other alone. Uh, these are all different ways of showing this idea that they are now together. They're now together and they could live under the same, uh, they live under the same roof. Uh, and that's how, that's how you perform that second stage. Um, now there is a big difference between the days of the Gemara, the days of the Talmud, and today with regards to these two stages. The big difference is that today, these two stages happen about two minutes apart from each other. If you go to a Jewish wedding, so they happen about two minutes apart from each other. First is the giving of the ring, 
And then afterwards, just a few minutes later, they have their, they have, uh, they have the second part, the second stage. They're under the, they're under the chuppah, they're under the canopy. They go into a yichud room, which means that they are, uh, secluded, that they are locked, uh, in a room where, where they lock the door to show how they are secluded. And they're, they're, they're with each other in, in, in a secluded room. Um, and it happens very close, uh, very, not, not far apart from each other. In the days of the Gemara, it would be a year apart. It would be a year apart between stage one and stage two. Uh, that was all there to prepare for the actual wedding. But there would be a year apart. And this has significant relevance to the opening Mishnah. One last uh, introduction is that what is the idea? Ksubis. What is Ksubis? What does the word Ksuba mean? So Ksuba is, let's say, the, the contract of obligation uh, the different obligations that exist within the marriage. Many think that it's about the fact that the husband has a financial obligation to his wife when the marriage ends. That whether he passes away or whether they get divorced, so he has a financial obligation. However, it's really not limited to that. It's not just, it's true. It does include that. It certainly includes that, the financial obligation, but it also includes various obligations that exist during the marriage itself. Uh, and we will discuss all of this over the course of our journey through Ksubis. Uh, but there, there's much more that is included in that. Various obligations between the husband and the wife and vice versa. Um, and so we will, we will get to that. Okay. Let's begin, let's begin the Mishnah. Um, before we even begin the Mishnah, it has to do with the Mishnah is, when should a person get married? What day of the week should the person get married? So you're going to tell me, <laughs> let me decide when I should get married. I can decide when I should get married. And that's true. Uh, however, there's also ideal times to get married. Uh, and perhaps also necessary times to get married in the days of the Gemara. Uh, and, and the idea is that uh, we're going to see that for uh, an ideal time to get married would, would, let's say, be on a Thursday. Why on a Thursday? If they get married on a Thursday, so then they will have sexual relations Thursday night. Right? Thursday night. Thursday night is already, if in the Jewish calendar, um, the Jewish day starts at night. That's already Friday. What's so important about Friday? Friday is the day that God blessed mankind to have children. So it's viewed as a blessing to have, to begin that process already on, on Friday, to begin that on Friday. So really, ideally, you should get married on Thursday night, which is what we say for somebody who is a widow. They should get married on Thursday night. However, the Mishnah says that for a besula, for somebody who is a virgin who has never been married before, so we say that for other reasons, they should get married on Wednesday night. Why should they get married on Wednesday night? So we'll see in the Mishnah, uh, the reason that's given in the Mishnah as to why they should get married on Wednesday night, even though really, based on what we're saying, everybody should get married on Thursday, so that Thursday night they have sexual relations, and there's this uh, this uh, idea that it fits with the fact that on the sixth day of, of creation, God blessed all of mankind. But we push it off a day, we move it back earlier for someone who... Uh, is a virgin and never had sexual relations. Why do we push it back? For the following reason. Out of the following concern, and we'll see this in the mission inside in a second, the concern is as follows. It's that, uh, what happens if that night they have sexual relations and the husband finds out and realizes that, uh-oh, uh, she is really not a virgin. Uh, she's had sexual relations in the past. Um, he finds out about that and who cares? You know, what's, what's the relevance? Uh, why, why would this make a difference? The difference would be for the following reason. Because if she had sexual relations before, maybe she had sexual relations during the year while they were engaged. 
if they had sexual relations during the year while they were engaged, as we pointed out in the introduction, that is a problem. That is her committing adultery. Now, the fact that uh, she that he finds out that she's not a that she's uh, that she had sexual relations in the past. Now you still don't know whether that happened within that year. You don't know whether that happened within that year of engagement. You also don't know if whether it happened willingly. There's very little that you know, and uh, the rabbis understand that. There's very little that you know. This will be discussed in the Gemara much later on. Uh, but Rashi, the classic commentator, Rashi on the page already says that it's he's gonna. We we want him to go to court the next day to inform the court about it, not because she's guilty. No, she's not guilty. She's not guilty. There's, there's nothing to say that she's guilty about. Uh, but it's at least t- to make us aware of it, so that when we could we could find out if there are witnesses uh, to help us, uh, you know, figure out the details. What exactly did happen? Could we find out what what happened in uh, in this uh, in this situation? Why do we want it to happen the night of? What happens on Thursday? On Thursday morning, the court gathers together twice a week on Mondays and on Thursdays. They gather together on Mondays and Thursdays. And so we want them to have sexual relations on Wednesday. Come Wednesday night, they'll have sexual relations. Wednesday night, the husband may realize, we hope uh, most of the time it's not the case, but may realize that uh, his wife has really had sexual relations in the past. Um, and we want him to come to court the very next day. Why does he have to come to court the very next day? What's the difference? You know, what happens if they come to court next week? What's the difference? The concern is that maybe, you know, he's, he's going to be very upset that night. He'll be upset that he didn't know about this. Uh, he was uninformed about this. Uh, he'll find out that he'll, he'll still he'll still be upset about it. He'll come to court. We're concerned that he he'll he'll calm down after a little bit and he won't show up to court. And it's not his decision. If she actually did commit adultery, they have to separate. They have to get divorced. They cannot stay married. It's not his choice. It's not a choice. In Jewish law, if somebody commits adultery, so then they have to get divorced. They must get divorced. It's not an option for them to decide. So they have to get divorced. Um, and so therefore, uh, we want to make sure that he actually comes to court and that he doesn't calm down about it. And so therefore we say, get married that night. So we know that he comes to court on Thursday. Why can't he come to court? Why can't they get married on Sunday night and then come to court on Monday? We said that the court gathers twice a week on Mondays and on Thursdays. That's something that the Gemara will also discuss, but I'll just mention it now. The reason for that is because there's a separate factor. There's perhaps two factors, but one factor, the main factor is that we want enough time so that you could you could have a, a big wedding. If you wait till Sunday night, so you don't have time to make a big wedding because you have to prepare only on Sunday. You have one day to prepare. You can't prepare from before Shabbos. Shabbos cuts, breaks everything off. You only have one day to prepare. We want a big wedding. So therefore, we wait till, you can't be Sunday night. You have to wait till Wednesday night. So now you have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You have four days to prepare or really get married on Wednesday during the day. Uh, you have You have three plus days, let's say, to prepare for this wedding. Why do we want such a big wedding? It's really for the, it's in the opposite direction. We want to be such a big wedding to make sure that the husband will stay married to his wife because there's a concern that maybe he's just going to do this and, uh, have in mind to divorce his wife the next day. Maybe he's, uh, not such a, not such a nice person and he's going to do all this and then want to get divorced the next day. So to make sure that this doesn't happen, we want it, you know, we don't want a one night stand. We want to make sure that they're taken, it's taken seriously. And so therefore, have a big wedding. Spend lots of money. Make it into a big event. If you make it into a big event, it's going to be difficult to uh, to then get divorced the next day. So we want to make it into a big event so that this is a lasting wedding, that this is not just something which is very, very short term. Okay, now let's see this all inside in the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, 
Besula nisik liyom raviva manalayom achamishi. A besula, as we mentioned before, a virgin, somebody who never had sexual relations before, they should get married on Wednesday for the reasons that we mentioned, and the mission will say this also. In almana, somebody who hasn't married before, they should get married on Thursday, as we pointed out before, so that by Thursday night they have sexual relations, which is a sign for a blessing. Because uh, Thursday night is, is the sixth day of creation, and that's when God blessed mankind to have kids. Why is it that in the first case that uh, a virgin has to get married on Wednesday? There was, it was decreed during the times of Ezra that twice a week the court would gather together on Mondays and on, and on Thursdays. This way on Wednesday night he'll find out whether or not he has to to say something to court, he'll go to court the very next day and he won't calm down. He'll make sure to go to court the next day. Okay, that is the conclusion of the Mishnah. The opening, the opening Gemara is, uh, says a statement which is just, uh, really it's, it's hard, to under, hard to understand the flow. And the Gemara itself will ask, will ask what exactly is going on here and then the Gemara will clarify. So in the beginning it's going to be hard to understand the Gemara will address that, that it's hard to understand, and then the Gemara will explain itself. So, Amr Rav Yosef, Amr Rav Yudah, Amr Shmuel. Rav Yosef says the following, in the name of Shmuel. So he says the following, which doesn't seem to make sense. He says, why do they get married? Uh, why does a Basula, a virgin, get married on Wednesday? Doesn't explain the reason of the Mishnah. Explain something else. Totally different idea. The idea is as follows, um, and this is an important idea to, to remember as we're going to go through these pages. Uh, we said that you have a year between the engagement and the wedding. If the husband doesn't, they don't get married after a year. So then we sort of put a fine. The rabbis have put a fine on the husband because let's say he's delaying this marriage, and we say, you know what? Now that you haven't uh, gotten married yet, she's waiting to get married. We're going to put a fine on you. And now you have an obligation, just like if you were to be married, you have an obligation to support your wife, to make sure that she has food. So there, that already starts right now, even though you're not married yet. But because you're delaying the marriage, we're going to obligate you. We're going to put a fine on you and say you have to now, uh, you have to now uh, support your wife. So <laughs> Shmuel just says that uh, you should know that let's say the year comes and it's Sunday, it's on a Sunday. We told you you can't get married till Wednesday. So he still does, he doesn't have to support her. He can wait till Wednesday to support her because it's not him who is delaying the marriage. It's the rabbis. The rabbis are telling you you can't get married till Wednesday. So we can't put a fine on him to say that he has to now support his wife. Uh, she has to go. She stays with her family. She eats with her family, meaning her parents, uh, and uh, and 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 uh, they wait till they they actually get married. But this has nothing to do with the Mishnah. So this is what Rav Yosef says. Amr Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef quoted Shmuel, and then he says. Mari Davram, what's going on here? Tali Tanya You're quoting one source, a Braisa, which is, which is a, a source from the times of the Mishnah. You're quoting one Mishnah without a Mishnah. The Gemara says, what do you mean? Hai Tanya Vahai Lo Tanya, Hai Tanya Vahai Tanya. What do you mean exactly, Rav Yosef? These are both taught uh, in a, in, during the times of the Mishnah. El Tali He has a problem with the following. This is what Rav Yosef meant to say. He said that you're asking a question which the mission itself dealt with. Why do you get married on Wednesday? The mission dealt with that <coughs> instead of, um, instead of, uh, and instead you brought some other source. So what exactly are you doing? And that's, uh, that's the question that, that Rav Yosef has. What exactly did Shmuel say? So we're going to be left with a cliffhanger here because we are reaching the 20 minute mark. 
And we'll get to exactly what what's going on here. We'll try to clarify what exactly is going on here. Rav Yosef will explain in the next recording.